We use the drones now for a lot of the big broadcast shows that you see in the country. So, you know, your IPLs, a lot of the other sports broadcasts from the ISL and other sports like that. Uh, we also do coverage of things like the Kaunmanega Karodpati show. So we've got a small buggy system, which is a remote control car. Welcome to the YF Podcast Season 1, where we bring you exclusive conversations with YF alumni about their journeys of transformation and impact. The Young India Fellowship is a one-of-a-kind year-long postgraduate diploma in liberal studies at Ashoka University. Ever since its inception a decade ago, the YIF has helped young individuals explore diverse areas of study and practice, discover their passions, switch career paths meaningfully, grow further as a working professional, and create sustainable impact to solve problems at the core of our society. All of this while belonging to a global community of fellows. The second episode of this season is focused on YF alumni who use their YF journeys to kickstart their startups and pioneer innovation in their respective fields. Rahat Kulshreshtha from YF class of 2014 is the founder and CEO of Quidditch Innovation Labs. And Jairaj Bhattacharya from YF class of 2012 is the founder and CEO of the education technology startup Convey Genius. They will be in conversation with our host, Dr. Pramath Raj Sinha, founding dean of the YIF, founder and trustee at Ashoka University. This is our second in the series, and I'm really excited to host Jairaj and Rahat today. These are two individuals who have not just started new companies, but have taken them to a amazing scale the impact that they are having is quite phenomenal in a very short period of time uh, they literally started at the end of the fellowship so i'd like to start with you jairaj tell us what does Kanvi genius do and where are you today in terms of what you have achieved and the impact you are having Thank you. Thank you, Pramod. So I'd like to start a brief of what we are doing. The idea was essentially to bring the power to teach and learn on mobile devices for the bottom 100 million children. That's how we started out. So it started out as a, with a small journey to a village where uh, I just used to start observing kids playing out with phones that they have never seen before. So the smartphone was a new thing. And without having access to any kind of smartphone in a village, the child could not imagine imagine what it is to play with. So I, I would give out my phone and put out YouTube and I would see how a child experiences the whole learning experience. So we could see the curiosity of the child, how a child reacts to a device. And that's where the idea was if we could spark the curiosity in 100 million children, 200 million children at the bottom of the pyramid, we are essentially democratic, democratizing the possibility of education, access to learning and education to the poor. So Convigenia started with this vision, the vision to basically bring to the power to teach and learn on the mobile device in as simple a way possible. And that kind of led us to, you know, understand how children learn and, you know, unravel the science of learning. So it started out with like imagining learning as a GPS map. So if we were to imagine the brain of the child and identify where the child is today in, in terms of their current location, and then we... We also know where the child needs to be based on the grade level competency. So we have the current location, which is point A, and we know where the child needs to be, which is point B. How do we design 
the shortest path and really good user learning journeys from point A to point B. It started out with this uh, simple problem statement. So convergenius means converging towards genius. So it's essentially point A to point B. Point A is where you are today and point B is where you need to be. So um, that's that's convergenius. And today we are at uh, about 5 million users across 16 states in 10 vernacular languages. Uh, slow, down, is, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. You have to absorb this. So you're saying there are 5 million kids learning on the Convigenius platform as of today. 5 million. Yeah, that's right. 5 million across 16 states. Yeah. So that's about 50 lakhs, right? Yeah, 50 lakh children. Uh, half a crore. And there are across 16 states, you said? Yes, there are 16 states. And how many languages? It's 10 languages. 10 one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, last week we peaked in terms of the number of user transactions. We hit uh, 72 million transactions uh, between between uh, the, the weekly active users. So that was Deepa uh, the highest. So in one week there are 72 million learning episodes between uh, our bot, our user interface, and the child. Basically, so we measure that. And Jaraj, this is all on the mobile, mobile, tablet. Uh, or computer labs, ICT labs. So essentially, we were largely on uh, government school computers and uh, labs, ICT infrastructure before COVID. The 72 million must be all through mobile, basically, right? Because these are the lower income kids and they only have mobile devices. They don't have laptops and so on. So would it be fair to say that they are really only learning through you? Not really, yes. They are learning through our application, yes. And they are also learning through uh, other initiatives the government has done. Uh, but yes, uh, our application is primarily uh, solving the problem of personalized and adaptive learning because uh, what we are able to do is able to judge whether the child is and de- uh, design the right learning journey, which a, which a teacher would be doing in a government school classroom. So, uh, uh, Jairaj, pre-COVID, so say early March, how many users did you have relative to this five million? So very good question. So we were at half a million, which is five lakh. Uh, so you've grown ten times. Wow! Uh, so that's phenomenal. Do you expect this level of engagement to continue? You think, or will it taper off again when the schools open? Where do you think? Will this be a permanent increase for you? You think? So, uh, again, that's something that we are working on. And I think the primary reason that it took us five years to get to five lakh users and then we, uh, five months to jump 10x was the whole realization that, yes, it is possible to learn via technology even at the bottommost end of the pyramid, right? The, it is, I think, a mindset change, right? When, when schools get shut, you start thinking that, okay, now we have to do online education. And when people move from the traditional education to online learning and see, wow, this, this is the new way, this is magic. And then uh, people get used to it. So now what we are seeing is they don't want to move back. They are very happy learning uh, on the phone, at home, in an on-demand manner. And you are getting that, uh, that personalized learning service where every child is getting a, a suite of uh, 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 learning content which is designed according to the child's learning profile. Uh, what more do you want? But but people say, listen, this is all compromised learning. This can't be as good as in the classroom. How can you teach, uh, you know, eight-year-old, ten-year-old 
through a mobile phone what is this this is gimmicky how do you react to that when i'm sure people challenge you like that no yes uh, so i mean um, today people are uh, with a gun in, on their head like you know learning loss is happening we need to do something so we have to go online but if you were to break down a classroom transaction into all the different activities which a teacher and child would be doing there is the instructional content which is delivered by the teacher themselves that is one where, where you have an emotional touch where you are in a peer group of uh, students and the teacher is delivering an instruction but there is a lot more to that there is homework there is doubt clearance there is assessment there is formative and summative assessment both a lot of the activities in a classroom across the year a teacher is having to do which is could be easily automated so we started out pramath with to looking at what would actually make the life of a teacher or a school leader easy which was essentially how would ai uh, solve a teacher's problem and make life easy at least start with the pandemic right so we first chose the problem of assessments because assessments is something on a, on the mobile or on on a tablet a teacher would be basically downloading images and correcting it and then sending back the answers this particular use case was very simple to solve using ai so we started out with the use case of assessments that how do we automate assessments uh, for the teacher and the student and how do you make that experience seamless so once assessment got automated and it kind of freed up the uh, time and space for a teacher to kind of think ahead then we started creating assessment led remediation meaning that now we know what the gaps are now we'll recommend some content to use so that we we know that this is your problem so watch this so that's how we are kind of working with the school ecosystem it, it uh, with all the stakeholders and trying to solve the pain points of their problem so that's how we are looking at it so tomorrow your school start uh, you know they can uh, they, they will have their usual classes but this this is going to continue well you you've chosen a fascinating name and i want to use that to turn to rahat <laughs> who who chose quidditch rahat where did quidditch come from uh, how did you think of that as the name for your company so thank you thank you pramod for having us on the show um quidditch was was basically a name that actually got invented at uh, for us uh, the name came at while we were at fellowship itself so did the startup itself because uh, our startup was was an elm in essentially the name was something where uh, we were spending you know about 4 days on this process of you know thinking of a name that kind of works for us uh and we were you know at that time we were very clear ki we are doing something in drones and we weren't sure where it's going to go but we thought you know the best way to get a name is to really put out everything that we believe in that we thought the company was onto a whiteboard and kind of then find what name kind of fits that so you know we had this one whiteboard in our campus in uh, uh you know in in our window and you know we we wrote out all of these things which was young passionate competitive aerial flying sports which we didn't realize that we we're going to be doing so much of and then you know we were just throwing out words and trying to invent words and think of something that kind of encapsulates everything that was on the board into one word and then gorav was my co-founder i think suggested quidditch as, as a name and we looked at each and every word on the board and we were like yes this just fits perfectly you know with with everything that we stand for so that's really where the, where the name came from very interesting tell us what you do and and tell us where you are at right now i know that you are in this mega and very spectacular business which is uh, in streaming to all our homes and phones also these days so tell us what you do and where you are 
Yeah, so it's it's been a very exciting journey with Quidditch. It started off as a as an experiential learning module at the Young India Fellowship, where we were just trying to you know experiment with drone technology. But as we moved ahead, we kind of carved our niche of the business that we do from just being a drone provider to to finding a niche of what is called in the broadcast industry special cameras, which are slightly more compa- complex than you know the standard cameras that you just put on a tripod. It's a little bit more than uh, more than that. So you know we've got the drone, which was what brought us into the industry and what built the brand to begin with. We use the drones now for a lot of the big broadcast shows that you see in the country. So you know your IPLs, a lot of the other sports broadcasts from the ISL and other sports like that. Uh, we also do coverage of things like the Kornmanega Karodpati show. So we've got a small buggy system, which is a remote control car. Also, a lot of the people would have seen it at the IPL as well. And now you actually have cameras on the ground, Rahat. I always thought your cameras were in the air. <laughs> we're, we're now basically doing everything that our cameras on the move. So we've kind of gone from just being a drone company to, to doing you know bits and pieces more. They're mostly remote control cameras. We've now got cameras on wires as well. Uh, so you can, you know, you can put four pulleys on four corners. So those things that you see, those things that you see flying across the field. That's right. That's right. So we've got. So you literally have to string a wire across the whole field to have that camera. It's a, it's a pretty complex setup, and Pramod, you will really appreciate it with your education background as well. But essentially, but does that? Can you reuse the wires? Yeah. Now I'm getting really into this. <laughs> so they're they're Kevlar wires, uh, Pramod, linked to a winch, four winches at the bottom. So they're absolutely reusable. And wow. they can take uh, thousands of kilos on each wire, so they're super safe. But you still have you still haven't taken me for an IPL game. Anyway, <laughs> we'll come to that later. So, how many cameras do you have now? So we have we have a very very broad range of cameras now. The number of cameras is not very large. We have about twenty five cameras uh, at. at that sounds like a large number to me. <laughs> but but what's exciting about them is that each one is very unique. Would you be the only provider in India to have such cameras? Yes. Even? So whether it's the buggy camera, whether it's the drone, we've, we've built a layer of technology now on top of the drone, which is augmented reality. So we're the only company in the world now providing AR on a drone. Uh, so essentially what this is, is that the drone is flying and giving you a nice view of the stadium. And we kind of realized that, you know, that's that's getting very commoditized because drones are getting very popular and everybody can now buy a drone. So we said, how can we kind of create, you know, a layer of storytelling beyond just the visual of the stadium? And how do we kind of contribute to, to the broadcast a little bit more? And that's where augmented reality came in, where we're able to put a virtual object in the real world. And as the drone moves around it, it kind of behaves like it's it's in the real world. So, you know, each match today starts with our drone shot, which has the locator graphics. So that, you know, tells you that this match versus this match, each match today, each IPL match ends with our shot where you've got the drone shot. You've got these augmented reality fireworks that we can fly through and it reveals who won the game. Oh, those fireworks are augmented yes. reality. And so is the toss. So, you know, when the toss happens, he does the toss and then this coin comes flying out of the stadium. So all of that is is is... Amazing. So you are doing IPL. He's changing the lives of 100 million kids. Amazing stories for both of you. Jaraj, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Yes, Pramit. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I think the whole Young India Fellowship experience kind of cemented it. So what was the push? We we don't really push people to entrepreneurship, but obviously these things happened because both of you went off and became entrepreneurs right then. What was your push? So I had a small entrepreneurship experience in college when I had built Midlet on the Nokia Symbian phone, which would automate my hostel room. And it was pretty cool. And uh, the investors kind of just bought the source code. It was money, but... You were automating 
you were automating your hostel room. Yeah, my room. It was it was more like a cool experiment to show off that you know here here's a Nokia phone. I press one and I can switch on my fan. <laughs> so it was the E sixty five E sixty five phone where the camera enablement could be done, and uh, I did it through my laptop. The laptop was in the room, and so the basically I could uh, show the laptops uh, through the laptop. I could show the hostel room to all my investors, and I could show a fan switching on and off. So it was a cool. Idea and this was 2007 when smartphones, Android smartphones didn't exist at that point of time. That was like a, a sophomore year summer project we presented to ISB and uh, we won the business plan competition. Uh, and uh, they they called us and they said, "Hey, listen, if you want to invest a million dollars? Do you want to start a company? Uh, you could possibly drop out of college." I said, "No way." Uh, I'm not going to drop out of college. I want to finish my computer science or electronics. Till then, till then, you had not uh, heard of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs dropping out of college. Of course, yeah, Zuckerberg was getting famous in 2006. But I'm, but I'm sure your parents would have thrown you out of the home if right. I had done my, that. My my parents lived a stone's throw away because uh, they were also based out of Hyderabad. So uh, no way I could have done that. So I took the check. They basically uh, wrote a check and bought the software. Uh, had enough money, and it was it was a good experience of the potential. So you must be the richest guy on campus with with a, a technology that you sold while in college. Yeah, yeah, it was a kind of a famous rich heroic experience. What what a geek can potentially achieve. <laughs> but then, why would you, with all that success already, why would you go to why? Liberal arts and so yeah, I mean uh, it was all uh, computer science code, writing code and you know you know building software. So I I was working in Singapore after that for a year. I was doing research and in human computer interfaces. And uh, during that time, I saw your video, Pramod. I saw Narayan Murthy. I saw Vinay Gupta, Ashish Dhawan talking about the potential of liberal arts and um, solving a problem by marrying different sciences, right? Liberal arts and sciences. So that kind of attracted me. What is a problem that I can solve? So essentially, I was seeking for a problem that could be a really tangible problem that will change at least some. It would create a meaning for for what I was doing. So I left my job in Singapore, came back. Shravan, I remember Shravan. He's still there. It's a decade old story, but I'm sure he he will also remember. So I took the flight. He he was actually questioning whether I was really going to come or not because. I said I'm gonna just fly in the next flight and take the interview. So uh, came to YF and that changed everything, right? The guest lectures, the stories. I remember all the stories still. It's been almost nine years. I remember Sanjeev, Sanjeev telling us, you know, at 40 you have a switch. Uh, you don't want to get there and realize that your switch is off. Uh, do do it right now, and right now is the right time for you to do it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Explain this one. What 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 did he say? Slow down. This is important because this made a huge impression on me, on you, that you still remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember multiple stories. This one is especially because he was he uh, he said two things actually. One, he said, "What is it that is that you can build for a lifetime? Find that idea, uh, what that will keep you up for a lifetime. You know, uh, that you wake up every morning and you still feel like doing it. What is what is that problem you want to solve? That that I remember clearly. If and and go and do that problem." basically then you know through the roller coaster rides through not having any money in the bank uh, and having to pay the salary next uh, month figuring out how do you pay uh, pay and manage payroll 
you will be able to wake up in the morning with the same smile and the same positivity and the same res- resilience right because you are solving that a bigger problem so that was one and the second was uh, while you work right work for other people when you are employed every day every month you will be realizing that you are nearing 40 that is what he said sanjeev said that you know that i am nearing 40 and at 40 my switch will go switch off and then i might not be able to do all the things i really wanted to do so i better do it now right now <laughs> so uh, these were two things i really remember that okay uh, this is it uh, entrepreneurship is right here right now let's start planning for it and then i remember pramod uh, pramod's lecture pramod hasin yeah he he was talking about how he built genpack uh, in a in a rapid fire mode over 5 years right how he built the culture of uh, adaptive boundaries he said that you know when i hit a boundary i would raise it the next day i would hit the boundary and again i would raise raise it the next day so a boundary is just a short term definition of where you get need to be and then you change the boundary again so these are things that kind of built out what it is to be an adaptive leader of course the various liberal arts courses taught me how to articulate and how do you put your point forward to the right, uh, the other person you know uh, every person is different so i think why was what cemented uh, entrepreneurship for me rahat born entrepreneur <laughs> always wanted to be Not- a <laughs> <laughs> not at all actually um the the kind of atmosphere that i was i grew, grew up in i didn't even know what entrepreneurship was for the longest time i didn't even know it was a thing and sort of it was never on the cards i had studied to be a filmmaker and i had always aspired to sort of become a filmmaker and the idea was to look at impact and get into documentaries and things like that so there was absolutely no plan to become an entrepreneur you had actually gone to england to study filmmaking right that's right so i was studying film and television uh, at the university of westminster in london and then worked in the british film industry for a few years after that and uh, then india calling happened and i was just like you know just want to move back to india because there was just lots of action happening and you know thought let's there's a good time to move back so moved back with not too much in mind and not too much of a plan and ended up directing music videos in fact you considered the wife and then delayed it or, or said not to, that you won't do it right and you went off to make music videos right that's right that's right so very very random chain of events starting from uh, you being on a flight with my mother uh, talking about the fellowship uh, and then my mother telling me oh you should check this thing out so i actually filled in the application form the year before i joined uh, and i wasn't very happy with my application and i was like i'm never getting through with this and then uh, the after when i had done these nine music videos i was just like this is not what you know i want my life paths to be and this is just not not feeling you know right so i wanted to take a break and that's when i thought let me just apply for the fellowship again so what was interesting is i actually decided to write the application afresh because i was just like i know i didn't like the last year's application i wrote it afresh and then i compared my notes and i was like okay i'm still you know ballpark around the same answers that i had last year so obviously i haven't improved as a human being but let me just apply for this because it's obviously the right answer and obviously somebody saw some some merit in what i had written and uh, yeah i got through so how did you how did you convince the tough wife team to uh, let you do the drone elm <laughs> 
Well, firstly, I, I I first have a question for you, Pramath. I want to know what is the selection process for how do you decide roommates at the fellowship? Because that's one of the only reasons why of why my ELM of my business or anything that I'm doing today happened in the first. So, would you would you say on television that if you hadn't met Gaurav, Quidditch would not have happened? Oh, absolutely. I would say that a hundred <laughs> times. There's no and it, not just that that it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have even continued if it wasn't for him. I mean, I think and you know, Jairaj, I'm sure. you know with co-founders it's something that is you know extremely crucial to be able to keep the story going and you know well, first firstly most people don't get along with their roommates so <laughs> to actually then start a business was a big risk <laughs> yeah but anyway so uh, yeah entrepreneurship was actually never on the cards i wanted to do an elm with uh, prasar bharti and try and fix the national broadcaster and gorov turned around and said he's like you know sam petroda has tried it and nandan elekani has tried it and nothing's happened you really think an elm is going to do anything let's you know you've got this drone let's let's give this a shot and you know it's a it's a risk free environment at the fellowship because you know we've got 9 months over there let's give it a shot and see what happens and really that's how i was able to get convinced because in my mind till that point entrepreneurship was was more traditional business which was all dirty and you know you have to pay people to get things done and that's what the perception of entrepreneurship was in my head i hadn't kind of got exposed to what entrepreneurship is today so and and it really started as randomly as that you know we we just got into it we had this one drone that i had uh, picked up and we said you know let's see what we can do with this Yeah, I still remember you guys coming with your first drone and very excitingly, excitedly showing that hey, here's our first drone. It yep. was while at the fellowship. Our, our, right? our first content that we created with that drone was all of the content that Young India Fellowship <laughs> saw on on YouTube four years ago, five or six yeah. years ago now, because you know that was our our testing bed, and then we kind of took that out to see where. uh you know where it was getting more and more interesting so we did a few projects and suddenly we got a project to be able to cover uh at that time in 2014 the lok sabha election so tv today said hey can we do this live um and you know at that time we hadn't solved for live drone technology coming from the drones so we we committed that yes we can do it uh and then straight after that you know got into major r&d we were like okay how can we get this live video down after having committed to it uh that was a one day project that they had given to us that one day converted into a three day project and then suddenly turns out we're traveling with uh, rahul kaval on the election express covering the entire lok sabha elections for uh tv today for some 45 days and that's that's when we knew that you know there was validation in the idea that we knew that there was there's something that there was there and you know all we had to do was you know persist and 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 uh create a business out of it so both of you have really stayed the course I, i do have a little bit of a sneak peek into your lives have there been points where you felt like you had hit a dead end multiple times i mean multiple dead ends i think the the biggest thing there is about you know how do you continue how do you keep going and then you you need to be thinking from different lenses right what what is what is it that you are actually going to achieve if you 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 start doing that right you have achieved this much and now now why do you, why do i stop right let's let's just uh, keep going and see and it all works out always so far it's worked out how much money have you raised can you disclose it to us or sure bro uh, i have raised uh, about 20 uh, 21 cr so far so you've run multiple rounds of funding and raised 21 crores and i think you have some very marquee investors right who are your investors now? sure pramod so i i have uh, raised uh, about three rounds of funding so far and uh, uh, fortunately uh, ashoka has been uh, the founders of ashoka have also been part of our rounds uh, ashish gupta from benori uh, rajat dhawan 
they have they have uh, participated in couple of rounds among ashoka founders i think i've raised almost 10 crores so yeah that way i'm very thankful for the yf and ashoka network that is not just helped me during the yf itself but beyond yf as as they say the fellowship never ends and you always uh, had a elm and you've employed many yf alums also right over That's the years right, i remember correctly so one of the thing was you know uh, when you have a yf founder and when you have yf investors why can't we have yf employees so uh, the idea was to complete the full circle <laughs> so yeah i w- i would come and you know look for like minded people who i could work with so you have yf investors and rahat you have a yf founder Yes, I think I think I'm definitely going to take inspiration from Jairaj as well and <laughs> <laughs> an investor as well. <laughs> But tell me something, you know, uh, it's tough to work with co-founders, Rahul, and especially if they are friends. In fact, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, people warned me that the main one of the big reasons businesses fail is that people don't get along with co-founders. Did it help that Gaurav was from the YIF? And he's a very different guy. I, mean, if I, I only rem- I inter- I remember interviewing him. He's he he was all all about driving uh, race cars, right? So how how's how's that partnership worked? And have you guys had to work at it? Did the fact that you came from the same uh, program help? It definitely helped. I think I think in terms of what what it really gave is that longer term alignment was was kind of set uh, early on. and i think that's really what is important with 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 partnerships where you know trying to know where you're going to where, where you're trying to get to i think if you're aligned on that then everything else kind of falls into place and i think that was the advantage of having a co-founder who was also your roommate because he had seen and i had seen everything that was possibly there to see so so i think from that perspective you know we were able to get our long term alignments uh, in in place we've definitely had you know ups and downs in a relationship because as you know the kind of friendship that we had during the fellowship was absolutely incredible and you know as as co-founders you've got to strike the right balance between you know being able to be you know the right amount of friendship and the right amount of co-founders so i think we've we've been able to strike that balance it's definitely been a, a tough balance to strike but you know i think i think just having that alignment of the long term vision of what we're trying to create i think that just allows us to be able to make sure that uh, you know we can be stay stay on course which is really important and at the same time i think uh, one of the really big other things that came out of being roommates is 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 trust uh and i think that's really important with uh with co-founders as well because you know currently if if i mean if you have absolute blind faith on on someone which which really comes out of you know i think when you've lived with someone or you know you, the reason why uh, boarding school friends are still such close friends and i guess all of those things that that happen is is because you've spent that kind of time together and i think that definitely helps the equation as well how many people do you employ now So we employ about twenty-five people uh, full time. So these are people who we we try and find who are either passionate about sport or passionate about filming and and cinematography, and we train them to be able to get uh, better on operations. Uh, we've got a technology team that is now building a, a lot of this uh, tech that we were talking about, augmented reality. We're now working on a player tracking algorithm, which is going to use the camera to be able to track players on the field and and give out analytics for that. uh and then we have a team of about 20 freelance operators that that come in on a project basis so when we got a big project like now we've got about 21 people at uh, in uae for for the ipl we simultaneously got konmanega crorepati going on for 5 months where we got the buggy system going there so we we then you know have that uh, opportunity to be able to scale up and scale down based on uh, yeah i remember the time when you guys yourself were going around with the screwdrivers and the wires and set doing all of this just by yourself right so 
it's amazing uh, that's that's been one of the hardest things in my life and still i still have to deal with it which is to be able to yeah. not be out on the field and not do all the screw driver work yourself uh but i think that's all part of the journey of, of being able to learn and rahat what's what's the next big thing for quidditch so i think what we've been able to solve for so far is really understand where we stand as a company who are what has been able to really really create our niche for that and validate that and the next few years with what we've created is purely about scaling that story globally uh because the products that we have and the services that we have are things that that are for for sports and broadcast internationally are something that we can create a lot of value and we kind of this year we've been able to test that with the women world women's world cup in australia we did the entire caribbean premier league we did uh, the under 19 world cup in south africa so with what we've got so far it's really about scaling this whole, this story globally and simultaneously continue to use all of our on ground experience from all of these pro- uh, projects that we're doing to be able to build great tech and that's going to be the backbone so the front end is is delivering these services that we've understood and constantly keep innovating on the technology for broadcast and viewership so that these millions of people sitting at home can get a better experience of the sport or of the broadcast in a way that hasn't happened before and and that's that's really what what we're going to be doing over the next few years very exciting i mean I- you almost are making me uh, reconsider my career options travel sports and technology and there you just named caribbean australia and south africa three places i have never been wow i should join you jairaj what's next for finley genius i think pramath we have a lot to achieve uh, we have not even achieved uh, 5% of the potential so it's it's a it's a long way to go we are at 5 million today and uh, if we would look at the market 130 million children in government schools and 80 million children in affordable and budget private schools still don't have access to education technology and quality learning services so it's it's a lot of uh, problems first is device access there is device inequity between families who have access to smartphones at home and families who do not uh, then there is internet issues then there are problems of you know language con- constraints india is still on vernacular and not a lot of them are uh, english medium students so the ability to give the same consistent learning experience and create impact across geographies across demographics across areas like we are working in leh and kargil where there is no mobile connectivity as well but the ability to provide the same learning experiences uh, across all of these various constraints is what we are working on and we are trying to solve for and that is that is what excites me that uh, if we were to able to really do that at that scale it's essentially india's demographic dividend and the data about how children are learning will you know help us solve a larger problem which is how do we connect education with skilling and solve the problem of employability so i think i will slowly start making that jump again once we have that mass of 10 10 15 million users where we are able to get big data about how children are learning and what insights that provide us to kind of connect education with employability excellent what what great ideas both of you are working on all the power to you i'm really privileged to be doing this i said this last time but i'm feeling the same thing now uh, i started my entrepreneurship journey very late in life uh, and now you your stories are making me regret it your both your stories are just so inspiring and Uh, in a very short period of time at a relatively young age both of you have achieved uh, what uh, is amazing for a sector that didn't exist when you started right 
It is not like you are, and you are, you are doing something that is a completely new idea, and that makes me really proud to see you guys doing something. You know, it's not a copycat of what others are doing or what somebody did in the in another country. For you, Rahat, to be thinking about building a global business is so exciting, and uh, for for you, Jairaj, to be talking about making a huge dent into uh, the bottom of the pyramid for young people. I mean, I, you are absolutely right. I mean, this this is going to uh, completely change the face of that generation of Indians who are going to at least be who are today being cheated out of a of 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 education. So. It's just very inspiring to see what you guys are doing, and that's all I want to say. Congratulations, and all the very best. And I hope I can interview again in ten years when you are all going to be much bigger, much more successful, and having much bigger impact. Thanks for listening to this episode of the YF Podcast. Tune into the next episode for another exciting conversation with two YF alumni about how the corporate setup challenged them and led them to discover the best version of themselves. The Young India Fellowship grooms socially conscious leaders and change makers for the 21st century. Follow us on Instagram at Young India Fellowship to stay updated about our admissions events and engagements. You can also check out our channel on YouTube for video editions of the YF podcast.